Produced by Podcast Architects. You're listening to the Lead On Podcast, where we discuss experiences in the armed forces while exploring lessons from military leaders. Hello and welcome to another edition of Lead On, Lessons from Military Leaders. I'm David Deary, president of the Enlisted Leadership Foundation, and joining me today is Sheena Parker, an Army veteran and CEO of Foresight Industries. Sheena, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, first and foremost, for your service. I appreciate the sacrifices that you and your family made and uh, being one of the 1% club, those of us that raise our right hand for the defense of our freedoms. So, uh, you know, before we get into the the meat of the conversation, which is a, a leadership topic that you felt was most instrumental as you were transitioning out of the military and becoming a small business owner, uh, you know, Throughout our life, we're given advice, oftentimes unsolicited advice, but advice nonetheless. Uh, we, we give it and receive it. So <clears throat> what is the worst piece of leadership advice somebody ever gave you? In service or out of service, doesn't matter. In service or out of service? Ooh, I'll stick to in service. Um, one of the things that comes right to mind is when I was a private, I was, uh, I guess, battlefield promoted to team chief as a PFC. So I thought I was the, you know, S-H-I-T. I thought I was it. So what is, and, what is a PFC? PFC is an E-what? It's an E-3. E-3, thank you. E-3. I was a baby E-3, just got pinned, and I was a team chief. Somehow, somewhere, I got that leadership position. And we were, I was actually in Korea. And so we had a lot of missions where we were going on top of the mountain because we were, we were a signal retrans. So we had to be on the top of the top uh, tallest mountain in order to get signal, blah, blah, blah. So there was a <laughs> it was a very dangerous mission. Um, hindsight, you know, if my child was explaining this to me, I probably would have passed out. But there was a, a leader, a captain at the time when we were trying to go up this mountain and it was slippery and there was snow. And he told me before I went up the mountain, he said, well, you got privates in the truck. They're expendable. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I'm a private though and we're not expendable <laughs> you know you just kind of like i'm gonna cry and i can't believe you said that and that's not true and i'm a private you forgot that part <laughs> you know so it was just like what a weird dynamic for that moment <laughs> you know it's true and, and and that's a great segue too as we as we start talking more you know expendable are you know when it's it, Throughout the rest of your career and in, in, in the military, and then even uh, as businesses you've owned and the current one that you currently own, um, are people expendable? That's a really good no. I'm going to say no because I just I I have this this heart <laughs> sometimes a little bigger than I want it to be in certain situ situations, but I feel like everyone is valuable, and that's not a political answer. I really do feel that way. Um, but they may not be valuable for my company. They may be valuable elsewhere. So as far as expendable human, no. But do you have to go? Maybe, depending on how bad your offense is. You know, that, that, that's so true, right? And, you know, I was talking with um, former Master Chief Petty Officer of the Navy a couple of weeks ago, and we had a similar conversation. And he shared a story about, uh, um, when he was a, you know, not a, not the MCPON, but early in his career as a, as a master chief at a command and maybe a senior chief. But anyways, a, a special request should have come up um, from 
somebody in his unit to re-enlist. And he sat down and he had what we call career development board. He just kind of shared with this individual. So, you know, this just, in my opinion, watching you, you do great work, but attitudinally and stuff, this isn't a good fit for you. Was that sailor expendable? Absolutely not. But there's a fit and a fill, right? We, we could fill roles with bodies, but is it the right fit? And then fast forward, this sailor actually took his advice, got out, got into real estate, I think, and is very successful because it, 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 it because somebody was honest with him, right? And so I think that sometimes we we tend to not be as honest as we should be. Being brutally honest, it, you know, I let me back up because I've learned over the years being brutally honest is is kind of rude, actually. But, <laughs> Right. But, but being honest with somebody most often than not is going to motivate them um, to either uh, step up their game a little bit or transition to something else. So. So, yeah, nobody's like I would agree with you. Nobody's ex- expendable from a human perspective. But as a business owner, as a leader, you know, sometimes we have to have those difficult conversations and, and whether it's encourage somebody to leave or, or maybe help them leave. Right. Absolutely. Definitely. So, so as we talk about leading, you know, every, every military member is practicing to be a veteran uh, because we're all going <laughs> to transition that. someday. Uh, the fun will end. The fun, so, will end. fun will end. So, um, you know, what, what did you learn in the army? What, what leadership thing, because I know we want to talk about transitioning veterans and, and, um, that's your passion is, is being being available and helping. So what helped you transition out successfully into the civilian, back to the civilian workforce? I think my path was very non-traditional. Um, I, I came in active duty. I was active duty for about three years. I got out um, and went into the reserves. And so since I joined after 9-11, I guess this was like a, a new trickery type process where if you, if you say you want to get out, we're going to stick you in the reserve. We're going to make the reserve sound so good that, you know, if you don't go in the reserves and you can get snatched into, you know, a unit that you're not a part of. So it behoove you to be in the reserve, blah, blah, blah. So I, I got out, went to the reserves, but never showed up. And so, you know, I kind of became like a deserter, you know, <laughs> not very proud of that. But I mean, it, it is what it is. And so I got back in. And so, you know, I had a, about a year break of not being a service member, but technically supposed to be someone's service member. And then came into the reserves and I was like, this is this is terrible. How does anyone like survive in the reserve world? It's very, very um, unique and it's different from active duty. So I got out again. And so I had a little break there and I just was kind of swooped back in through some fantastic leadership to, to make sure that I didn't fall through the cracks like some of the soldiers that I've actually had that fell through the cracks, I got I got brought back in and then I had my head on straight. I'm like, okay, I think I want to do this for real. I want to be a good girl. So I was a reservist, but I was active duty on and off. I was mostly on active duty as a reservist. So I would have like nine months active duty, a month off, and then three months active duty and like, you know, two months off and then a year straight. So it wasn't as hard for me to transition as some others when I compare, you know, it's, it's like comparing apples to oranges really um, because I would deploy pretty frequently to like other locations, not just overseas. So I'm just constantly in another location for periods of time. And so it was a little different when I came home compared to someone who like comes home and they're like active duty, 
And then sometimes they go right back to a combat zone. And, you know, that wasn't really my story as much as some others. So I, I still maintain some level of sanity, if you will, as a civilian. Um, so when it came time to me, it came time for me to decide if I wanted to, you know, be an old crusty warrant officer, because I did become a warrant. If I wanted to be an old crusty warrant officer or to get out, it was kind of near COVID. So I, I was transitioning kind of when everyone else was trying to figure everything out. Do we come to work? Do we not come to work? You know, so I was like, oh, well, shoot, this is perfect. This is a perfect segue to my exit. <laughs> so it was it was a lot easier for me. Um, and also, I started my business before I before that even happened. I started my business in 2017 and I had been doing stuff before that. So when 2020 came along, you know, I was already kind of building while on active duty. <laughs> so it sounds like, you know, we can go back to that senior enlisted leader who, you know, that that year of desertion, which if you were truly a deserter, they they would have. Yeah, it was close. <laughs> yeah, but but somebody got a hold of you and 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 took vested interest, which ties right into what we talked about earlier about expendability. You know, he clearly did not, he or she clearly did not think that you were expendable. Um, saw something in you of value and and uh, thought that the army could benefit and you could benefit from the army. Um, talk to us about site industry, foresight industries. What what exactly is that? What's your business? Um, well, we provide facility maintenance services to the federal government, local government, and corporate agencies. So what that looks like in layman's terms is pretty much janitorial, um, grounds maintenance, drywall, floor repair, roof repair, um, anything under light construction, we pretty much do. Um, but our, the government and corporate agencies are exclusively our clients. We don't do any residential, anything like that. And we have contracts throughout the whole East Coast, all the way to, from Philly, um, state of Delaware. That was a very interesting um, process. And all throughout Metro Atlanta and Tennessee. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, and I know from a little bit of history that working with individual states is different. Uh, yes. As a business owner and, and depending on the industry, <clears throat> what works in one state doesn't always translate and work into another state because of laws and rules, regulations, things like that. So uh, there's some challenges associated with operating uh, in different locations instead of just sticking in one. But if you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to be able to grow and, and you're, you're a very motivated individual. Um, so, so, uh, why that industry, why, why that, the, the industry of government contracting and facilities, things like that. I mean, that seems like that's a, a pretty congested that there's a lot of, a lot of people operating in that. So, uh, what motivated you to dive into an area that's is congested instead of like, you know, when, when people say uh, in business schools, you know, what's just because I may think that it's a value and there's a need to fill. How do I know others will as well? So what kind of market research did you do and why into such a congested business? Well, that's a really there's so many answers that I want to give to this, but to keep it short, um, when I got into, like, I've always been an entrepreneur since I was a little kid. I was always, I didn't know it was entrepreneurship. I didn't know it was, I was just basically selling stuff. So, you know, it's always kind of been in me legal stuff, just for the record. <laughs> all legal. All, look, brum, 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 all legal. So, um, you know, it's always kind of been in me. So I would have like little businesses here and there. And a couple of them were, were pretty good. I mean, 
when you measure success compared to what you're doing now, it was like, okay, it was, but it was, it was pretty good considering. And so, um, you know, I was in real estate, real estate kind of always tugged at me um, throughout the years. And for some reason, my husband always curated it. He's like, here, here's a class. Here's a, and I just couldn't ever figure out how to break into it. And so he bought me my first condo and it was a hot mess. It was bad. Like, I mean, we didn't really know what we were doing. And it was a lot of factors that, you know, we couldn't control either. So I learned a lot in that. And so I'm like, okay, I'm keeping this condo. This is what I'm going to do with this condo. But I want to buy some other properties. So we bought some other properties. And it was so non-traditional the way I went. I was just like, whoever can give me the money, I'm doing it. It was like hindsight. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was just wild. So I ended up with like seven properties, like just just doing stuff. Right. And um, then I realized I didn't want to be a landlord and that I I had a certain level of um, impatience that landlords need to have, even with property managers. It just didn't work. So I sold properties. I'm like, oh, my God, if anyone says real estate to me, I'm going to throw up. I can't deal with it. And so then I was like, well, maybe I can do wholesaling and wholesaling real estate was like a buzzword for a couple of years where you're not really owning the property, but you're like the middleman type thing. And I was doing that. And that was worse. That was way worse than being a landlord. And I was like, oh, no, forget it. So then the conversation about um, government contracting kept coming up, like in different circumstances, different situations. It was it was kind of weird. I'm like, what is this government contracting thing? I don't know what they're talking about. So I Google it and YouTube University. And there were very few people talking about government contracting. So I latched on to like two strong people who broke it down in the layman's terms. And I'm like, okay, this stuff sounds kind of cool. What? How can I translate it from something that I've already been doing? And like, how can I stay in real estate? But not like how I had been doing it. So it translated into facility maintenance because I already had a um, a contractor that the one that was helping me work on all the properties. So I was like, we can do flooring. Great. I'll be a flooring contractor. And so bid on my first contract and won. And I was like, oh, this is great. Bid on the second contract and you know, I had to cancel that one because it was it wasn't great. Then the second one <laughs> bid on it and won. And it was a six figure contract. And I'm like, oh, this is a breeze. Oh, this is great. Like, I love this. I'm going to be a flowing contract and ride off into the sunset. And it was it was bumpy, but it was still good. Um, and then, you know, I'm operating at the local level. I'm not doing any federal yet. And um, I hired someone to help me write my contracts. And then I went to third one and janitorial. And I'm like, wow, I love this life of government contracting, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, and so I didn't really pick it. It kind of picked me, you know, like it didn't. I didn't say I want to do facility maintenance. It just kind of ended up being where, what was I doing before? We would, you know, we were cutting the grass. <laughs> we were, we were doing all these things and it translated into facility maintenance because that's a, a broad scope. But even within facility maintenance, you have strictly just janitorial or strictly just grounds maintenance, et cetera. And so what now that I'm, you know, five years in, it's really not congested. There really is a lot of work in too much work. We turned down a lot of work, actually. Hear that, everybody? Here's, here's a, if you got an entrepreneurial spirit, consider <clears throat> local and federal government contracting and facilities. Um, so, yeah, circling back over to our military experience, it sounds to me, uh, from a leadership perspective, attitude plays a huge role 
as we transition, and not just through transitioning, but even an attitude um, while we're on active duty, right? Because, um, you know, we can look around. You know, it was like you, you said something fell into your lap. We look around where we're stationed at and looking. We Sometimes I think we just look for opportunities. Sometimes, you know, yeah, this is the job I'm scheduled to do, and this is what they trained me to do, but I can do more than that. Um, and, and, and so did you do that on active duty? Did that, did it kind of generate or start that engine and, and like, Hey, where you either took something on because there was a need to be met or you asked the supervisor, Hey, I want to do this. Can, can you support me? Uh, because is that something that you found that well, I'm just curious if that worked for you? And if it's something that you would encourage people that maybe has that drive, uh, to try, you know, because I look at the military time leadership wise as, as, a as some sort of, of, if you will, um, the practice squad, you know, I mean, let me try out these different leadership tactics. Let me try out these different things. Um, you know, in the military, you can listen, the, the, the person that does, does the, this isn't, this isn't a shame. This isn't or anything. This is just the reality for those of us that serve. There's a minimum requirement. There's a minimum standard. Yep. And the minimum standard gets paid as much as those that do the highest. They may not re they may not promote as quickly. They may not promote where they have to get out of higher tenure. But there's a steady paycheck on the first and the fifteenth. First and the fifteenth, yeah. Right. But if you want to excel, like you did, you know, um, that attitude plays into that. So I, I, I probably mm. talked more than I should have to, to, no, to no, ask no. you the question, but I want to hear it in context. Um, well, I'll say for me, I never, no, I, I don't see myself, um, to anything that I remember where I was on a base or, um, somewhere where I was like, Hey, I want to do this on the side or anything like that. Um, and ironically I was in it the whole 20 years that I was in. So that's completely different. It doesn't even resemble facility maintenance whatsoever. Um, so I just never, I never really liked IT. It's so weird. You know, like there was a lot of people in my sections that were doing, and I was a warrant officer, so I'm like a SME. I'm the subject matter expert in all this, and I still didn't like it. So it was, you know, there were a lot of people that I worked with that would do stuff. They would do websites on the side, and I did some of that, but not like, you know, based on the military. It was just based on the Sheenaism that I already had, like, oh, I can go on WordPress and create a website in like 30 minutes. Of course, like I need some money. <laughs> so it never was related to like the military. It was just the Sheena side. Right. So, but you still had to add the, you still had the attitude to try, which again, that's something really important, right? We, as a, as a leader, sometimes we're, <clears throat> I, I was in it for a while. I didn't care for it either. That's why I became <laughs> a master chief. Um, but that didn't mean I didn't know my job, learn my job, have a bad attitude about it. Right. I had a responsibility. But like in your case, hey, 20 years, I'm done. This isn't what I wanted to do, but it's what I had to do. It's like a, a, the short game and the long, the, the long, short ball, long ball, right? The long ball was I'm looking at after 20, what I'm going to do. The short ball is what I'm doing right now and how what I'm doing now will prepare me for transitioning for then. Exactly right. And, and a lot of that has to do with attitude. So um, listen, we're almost out of time, but I don't want to uh, stop before you tell us about you. You shared that you recently uh, wrote and launched a a business course. Um, yeah. So tell us about that. Cause there may be people listening to this that are interested in entrepreneurship and, and, you know, <clears throat> and facilities and maintenance, things like that. 
Yeah, so the course is called GovCon for Winners, and it's a government contracting course where I teach people how to be three-tier contractors. And what that is is exactly what I do, and that is federal contracting, local contracting, and corporate contracting. And there are a lot of people that are, you know, teaching these types of courses, but a lot of them haven't actually done all three. Like my company has actually done all three. I've been in the field. I've scrubbed toilets. I've put down floors. I've done all these things. So a lot of those conversations that you need to have when you're talking to contracting officers, when you're dealing with agencies, follow-up emails, I've done all of that. <laughs> so I teach all these things in the course. And in addition to that, I teach a lot of veteran um, specific content too, because I have a lot of veterans that will come to me and say, I got my SDVOSB. Why not? Why are contracts not raining down on me? And I'm like, well, <laughs> doesn't quite work that way. So then, you know, a lot of times they're, they're needing me to bring them into these, these conversations, bringing them into these rooms, telling them what organizations they need to be a part of on all three of those levels, because they're all different in how they certify. Um, and not just for veterans, but for any other type of, you know, um, set aside that you qualify for, even as a small business, a small business is also a set aside. So a lot of people don't know that as well. So I just teach people the step by step, like the, the molecular level of how to do government contracting, how to do local contracting and how to do corporate contracting. Where can we access this? So you can go to Sheenapreneur.com. That's S-H-E-E-N-A. P-R-E-N-E-U-R.com. Sheenapreneur.com. Put that in the, the, the notes. Um, is this a free course? Is it freely available? Is there a fee? How's that work? There is a fee. And right now I'm in the beta stage for the next, I guess we're at 86 days. So I'm looking for feedback in exchange for it being a cheaper price. I'm looking for feedback. I'm looking for um, working out all the, the kinks that are in the course. And it's the cheapest it's ever going to be because I'm the only person I know that's teaching all three. Oh, fantastic. Well, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> that's great. And I will I will commit to that. The uh, if, if the first six listeners that listen to this that are interested and uses a, uh, you know, mentions this podcast that will, uh, to you, we'll give them another 10%. We'll reimburse you another 10% off the fee for them too. So, but just six, yeah. and I'll, I'll just trust six. you to keep track if you would. So, uh, you know, any, uh, any final, final comments, any, any maybe words of uh, leadership encouragement for anybody transitioning out and considering to be an entrepreneur? Definitely. Um, I'm not traditional. I'm a rebel. I'm a, I'm a rebel to the core. I am a rebel with a cause though. But like I tell my son, you're a rebel without a cause. But you know, I really, I was not, I never wanted to be in the military when I, before I signed up, I, it wasn't even something anyone in my family talked about. I didn't know anyone in my family who had a business or did military. And so one of the things I will say, you know, here it is 20 years later and it's like, wow, I really made it to that. But even if I didn't do the 20 years, I did something that I is going to set me up for life, whatever it is, even if it's the school benefits, even if it's the, you know, disability, even if it's any, any of those things that the military can give you, I would just encourage people to take advantage of it. If you feel like there's nothing wrong with you, you got both all your limbs, you're, you know, completely mentally stable, then take advantage of the entrepreneurship side because there's a lot of resources out there specifically for veterans that you can take advantage of free and you don't know you need to be in the room until you're in the room and you get so much value out of it. Matt, great, great advice. Thank you so much. Well, that's a, that's about the end of our time, Sheena. I want to thank you 
uh, again for joining us here and lead on lessons from military leaders. You've been listening to Sheena Parker, business owner, CEO of Foresight Industries. I'm David Deary with the Enlisted Leadership Foundation, and this has been another edition of Lead On, Lessons from Military Leaders. Produced by Podcast Architects.